This is our story. It is a historical look of the church so that we can make sure that we have those essential elements, those essential things that keeps us on track to be who we've been called to be. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we are coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I will be reading out of the New American Standard Bible. If you don't have the Bible, it's on the screen before you. And it will read as such in our hearing. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand. By which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again, or he was raised on the third day according to scripture. He also appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, and then to the 12 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some has fallen asleep. He then appeared to James and, and to the 12 apostles, and last of all, as one out as one untimely born, he appeared to me also, for I am least of the apostles, not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. For his grace towards me did not prove to be vain, but I labored even more than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, even now in the mighty name of Jesus, move Tracy out the way. Allow there to be a double portion in order to speak that which needs to be spoken. Allow it not only to be upon me, the that it may pour through me, but allow the congregation to hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, speak. Lord, if you will speak. Lord, if you will speak. Amen. I make a suggestion that if you did not get last week's tape, get it so that you would know uh, the foundation in which I am working from, amen. That you may, not saying tape, CD, amen, so that, so that you know where we're coming from. I think that we're going back so that we can make sure that we have the essential elements that a church needs to have in order to fulfill its purpose. See, no matter how much we call ourselves the church, and though we may be the church, if we're not about God's business, then does it make any difference that we're a church? It's not just a message for us to examine ourselves, but, but I think the church as a whole, the universal church, that sometimes we need to step back, look back, and make sure that we are still on track and that we are keeping the main things, the main things. 
It is easy to get off track. It is, it is easy to miss the main point. It is easy to make secondary things the primary things. And, and in all that way, miss what God is intending for us to do. So I, I, I'm looking at our history at the beginning of the church so that we will find there the ingredients that made them so bold, that made them willing to die for their faith, that made them willing to stand up against all society and say, this is what I believe. What was it that made them love like they love? What made them to be able to stand in front of anybody with a undoubted confidence and fearlessness and say, this is what I believe. If I die, I die. Oh, y'all, I hope y'all hear me this morning. What is it that, 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 that they became so consumed with Jesus that you could see it in their living. It made a difference. It was more than church on Sunday. But it affected their in, entire, 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 entire life. I, 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 I'm praying that we would catch the fever. <laughs> I'm praying that as time gets rougher, our faith gets stronger. I'm praying that, that, that no matter what the devil and life can throw at us, that our faith will be so secure that we will still have the peace of God when trouble is all around us. See, I understand that, that, that in baking a cake, that if you forget to put in the eggs and the flour. Yeah, some of y'all didn't catch that. Let me say it again. In baking a cake from scratch, I'm talking about a pound cake. And you forget to put in the eggs and the flour. And you mix it up Put it in the pan, put it in the oven, and you bring it out. I don't know what you got, <laughs> but it's not a cake. I don't care what we do on Sunday. If we don't have the essential elements, I don't care what, how good we sound. I don't care how hallelujah we get. I, I don't care when you put it in and take it out. If you don't have the essential elements. What made them such a church that they turned the world upside down? What made them so committed that they didn't care what nobody had to say? Paul is helping us when he begins to say, he says, he says, first, foremost, first importance, what you got to remember is that he, he, he lived, he died, he rose. See, some of us get stuck on he died, but you can't stop there. You got to go on till he rose. See, we don't serve a, a dead Christ. We got a risen Christ. If you stop at Calvary, you didn't go far enough. The point is he got up. See, the gospel is he lived the perfect life. He died, but... but but he got up with all power in his hand. Our, our, our entire faith relies on those truths. 
Paul says, I'm not telling you fables. I'm not saying stuff and asking you to have blind faith. He said, but I'm telling you stuff that was, he said, I'm speaking truth that was foretold before I spoke it. He said, he said, he said, he said, he said, the reason we know this is from God, because only God can know the future. The reason we know that God is in this, because he orchestrated everything bit of it. That when we look at Christ and we go back to the Old Testament, we can see that he fulfilled everything there was to be fulfilled about what the Word said about him coming. My, my, my question is then, if it was so clear, why didn't the disciples realize that if he died, he was going to get up? because he made it clear. You don't even have to go to the Old Testament. You can turn to the words of Jesus. And, and he didn't speak in parables when he started talking about his death. Well, come with me. Walk this with me. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. He begins to tell them what's going to happen before it happened. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples. And what they're saying is, is that he continuously talked to them about the events that's going to take place before they took place. He showed the disciples that, watch it, he must go through Jerusalem. That he must suffer many things. From the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, be killed and raised up on the third day. Okay. Okay, y'all, y'all. Let's go to another one. Matthew 20, 17 and 19. And Jesus was going up to Jerusalem and he took the 12 disciples aside from the crowd along the way and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priest, scribe, and they will sentence him to death. And deliver him over to the Gentile to be mocked, whooped, and crucified. And he will rise to life on the third day. Now, I don't know about you, that's pretty clear. I don't think I need to go through verse by verse and explain to you what he's saying. I think you can hear what he's saying. Okay, let's, let's look at another one. Let's look at another one. Mark chapter 8, verse 31 to 33. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must have necessity. What he's saying is I have to. In order for you to be what I called you to be, I got to do what I'm going to do. And many things be tested and disapproved and rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be put to death. And after three days arise, again, again I asked you, why don't they believe. Let me go back up to Mark. Let me go back to Mark chapter 8. And this time let's look at 32. Verse 32. And this, and he said this freely, frankly, plainly, explicitly. That means he went through every detail. Now watch this. And making it unmistakable. And Peter took him by the hand. Now hold on. Peter takes God. So I need to talk to you. How dare you? Who did Peter think he was? It's good to say he rebuked Jesus. Yes, sir. Wait a minute. 
Don't condemn Peter so quickly. What happens when the Lord don't do what you wanted him to do when you wanted him to do it? See, some of us are sitting here right now and we are mad at God because he didn't answer the prayer the way we expected. What I'm trying to get you to see is one of the reasons why they did not hear the second part of him going to rise because when they heard he was going to die, it was not what they expected. Life will throw you unexpected circumstances. You can even have a, 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 hey, how can I say, a unscriptural expectation placed on God. And when God does not fulfill what you expected him to fulfill, we can get mad at God. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. And he began to rebuke Jesus. Next verse. But turning around, his back to Peter, seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. You know what he's doing? Peter just spoke what the rest of them wanted to do. You got to understand, they have placed three and a half years of their whole life and expectation on Jesus. They were expecting him to raise Israel up to the number one nation in the world. They've been taught since they was little that when the Messiah come, he will have an everlasting kingdom. They skipped over the part about the suffering servant that had to die for their sins, and they went straight towards a part of him riding in on a white horse, and God's going to make these Romans shut up and sit down, and we're going to be the number one nation. They, from the beginning, since they thought he was Messiah, they was expecting an earthly kingdom, and they were going to be sitting on the throne with Jesus, and now he's talking about dying. You know what I believe? I believe they only heard I'm going to die. I don't think they heard I'm going to rise. You know why I believe that? I believe because I've been in the room of a lot of people who have lost loved ones. And listen to me. When that happens, it's not time to do a whole lot of talking. There's some folks who feel like that the silence is bad. But to be honest with you, the silence is good because you got to let the waves of what just happened hit you. Sometimes the best thing to do is just to be quiet and stand there with them, weep with them, cry with them, because this is too much to take in. And the truth of the matter is, at that moment, they're not going to hear what you got to say anyway. The shock, the trauma of what Jesus, the, the hitting up against their expectation was too much. So all they heard was death. They really did not hear. He's going to, it did not compute. It did not, they could not wrap their minds around it. They were stuck with, wait a minute, we gave up everything for you. How in the world you gonna get us stuck out here? Because if they kill you, they're coming for us. Hmm. Listen, life will throw at you unfair unrighteous hurts that will make you almost lose your mind. Listen, see, God never promised us that life won't hurt. He never told us that everything's going to be okay. 
Matter of fact, what he promised is that no matter what life throws at you, I'm moving too quickly. But since I went there, let's go. He said, I will never leave you, not forsake you. Let's let's, let's move on. Let's move on. So watch this, watch this, watch this. He says up here, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. Now that that sounds like an awful strong rebuke. But you know what he's saying? He's saying, Peter, you're not being moved by the Spirit of God. You're being moved by Satan. We don't. For you do not have the mind intent on promoting what is God's will. Just because you prayed it don't mean you knew it was God's will. Just because you expected it don't mean it was in God's plan. Let me throw one at you. Let me throw one at you. I can think, I, 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 this, this morning, I did the illustration at this time of me planting some, some annuals, and I expected them to come up the next year, because I thought if they're annuals, that means they come up annually. I don't know nothing about. <laughs> but, but when I went back to change, God said, don't go to the flower. Go, remember when you had some expectations of me? And you was in, right in obedience? And what you thought was going to happen didn't happen? And it was me that put you there? And what you expected since I put you there was you thought that you were going to reap some stuff that you didn't reap. Remember when you wasn't out of my will, you was right where I placed you. And instead of being blessed, you felt like you was cursed. See, y'all wouldn't go there with me. Come on, come on. Come on, let's go there. Remember when you, you planted and watered and saw, and when it came harvest time, there was no fruit to be seen. Am I the only one? And wait a minute. And you ask yourself, did I miss you, Lord? Did I miss you? Listen, listen, listen. Sometimes God is saying, what, what I'm doing is for later. And what you, I never told you you was going to reap from this field. I just told you to work the field. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Somebody don't hear, somebody need to catch this. God will send you to a field to work. With, and you work it, and, and then you expect fruit. You don't plant it, you don't want And God said, but I didn't place you here to get fruit. I place you here to learn from the working of it. And, and I'm with you in your work. And I am supplying the grace that you need to keep you when the fruit don't come up. Uh, let me let, uh, I think some of y'all need to come a little bit harder, huh? Because y'all sitting there like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It's a hard thing to be in ministry and the ministry ain't growing. It's a hard thing to raise children and you don't put everything into them. And they act like you haven't done nothing. It's a hard thing to build a job and being faithful and working, working as though you're working for the Lord. You say that and everybody else is being promoted but you. It's a hard thing to be in a marriage and it's not reaping what you thought it was going to. It's a hard thing to be trying to trust God and everybody else seem to get blessed. They driving new cars and your car pop, 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 pop. 
don't have a car. Boy, I'm working as good as everybody else. Lord, what's wrong with How can I say this? Except I'm saying that. That's what the disciples was feeling. All this time, all this work, we gave up everything. We had businesses. We sacrificed. Look, we put all our eggs in you. And now, you saying you're going to up and die on us? They didn't hear nothing else. <laughs> they got stuck. Some of us has made other decisions because it didn't come quick enough. Some of us have, have went by what we feel. And have stepped out of the will of God because we didn't feel it. It didn't feel good. It hurt too bad. We didn't understand it. And God didn't give an explanation of why you are. Yes, yes sir. Listen what he says. But what pleases man, you are not. He said, he said, Peter, you trying to make it right for you. You trying to make it fit for you. You don't like the outcome that I'm talking about. And, and instead of following God's will and seeing this is God's will, you have rationalize why we should do what we do when we do what we do the way we do it. Then we're going to go get somebody who don't know the word. If you think I'm right about it, you think I'm right about it, don't you? See, I knew I was right about it. Okay, let me quit. Let me move on. I got to move on. My, my brothers and sisters, listen. One of the things, another reason why I think that, that, they, uh, that they didn't believe, because it confronted a preconceived expectation that was not scriptural. Number one, the, the trauma, they couldn't hear the rest of it. Or they hear it, you're going to die. Number two, it butt up against what they've been taught all their lives, what the Messiah represented. Now listen real clear to me. They expected the Messiah to make their lives good. They expected him to change circumstances. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me prove that to you. Let, let me prove that to you. Let me prove that to you. If, if we go back up to, um, let's see where I want to go back up to. Matthew chapter 20, verse 17, 19. He tells them he's going to die and raise again. Then watch this. Verse 20. The mother of James and John comes along and says, Lord, I have one request. When you enter your kingdom, I want one of my sons to sit on the right and the other one on the left. 
How you think the other disciples took that? <laughs> listen, listen. They, they, are, they are jockeying about who gets the kingdom of, a, of who gets more power than the other one. He just told them, I'm going to die and be raised again. And they're still talking about, I'm going to have more power than you. Uh-huh. Well, let you know where their mindset is. See, this, this is where I think sometimes we struggle. This was before the resurrection. That's why they struggled so much that when he died, that they did not believe. Though he said it plainly, because it hit right up against their preconceived expectation. Sometimes Jesus don't show up the way you want him to show up. Sometimes he doesn't answer the way you want him to answer. Sometimes it's not working out the way you want it to work out. The question is, when things in life is not working out, is Jesus good enough to keep you? Do you know him well enough that in spite of circumstances, your faith will stand the test of time? And even if nothing else changes, the fact that he promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you, is that good enough to keep you? Uh, no, listen, why do you think they, after the resurrection, that they died for their faith? Why do you think that after the resurrection, you see them have this boldness and this, and this, and this, this I don't care, this, uh, if Jesus is going to die, I will die for him? Because what they discovered is, is this. He never, pro- let me put it like this, we are not home yet. Let me, let, me, let me correct some, 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 some wrong thinking. It's not heaven on earth. This is our assignment. When you are about your assignment, you expect trouble. If you think that Jesus is your, is your spiritual bellhop, and he's supposed to make life like a yellow brick road, then you will get mad at him when things don't happen. That's why some of us don't have all of our eggs in his basket. Oh, come to church on Sunday. Say hallelujah on Sunday. But through the week, it's about me. You know what that's saying to us? That is saying, I want Jesus to do for me. Isn't that what this is really all about? See, even if we don't say that, sometimes we act that. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, when things don't work out, our love for him falls away. If we're not careful, we will allow what around us to affect. I think, I'm going to, I didn't use this in the first, but I feel like I need to use it. He tells the disciples to meet him at the Sea of Galilee after he appeared to them. This is in John, I think it's John 20, John 21. And, and, and Peter, had, they have gone to fishing, which means they went back to what they were you originally doing. They went back to the food. I don't think there's anything wrong with it unless that's what they intended on taking back up again. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to give them power but, but they are together, and Peter said, I go fishing. 
The rest of the disciples jump in and say, we go a fishing too. So, so, so they are taller on that line. And I think that, that, that it is, how can I say that? It is just like the Lord, that when you're trying to do it in your own effort, you will not be effective at it. Uh, let, me, let, let, me, let me dig into this. I'm almost finished. We're going to be out of here early. Okay? Yeah, we're going to be out of here early. Okay? Watch this, watch this, watch this. Whenever we try to do something without the Lord, outside of the Lord, you can believe that even if it is successful, it won't bring you no joy. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. When, you, when we're not involved in what you've been created to do, created to be, called out to be, when we're not actively involved in the work of the kingdom and understand that we are on assignment, and let me help you out. Assignment is not just on Sunday. Assignment is every day. It's hearing the voice of the Lord. It's, it's, it's being so sensitized to his presence that as you at work, God is, God, is, God is guiding you and prompting you. Listen, we're not just a big, we shouldn't just be turning the big things over to God, but the small you know what I discovered? The reason why some people don't praise him on Sunday, because they're not praising him through the week. You can't work up no praise on Sunday when you haven't been praising him through the week. But I tell you, I double dare you, start praising him on Monday and praise him throughout the week. Come Sunday, you ready to burst it. The way the choir was singing today to you, I don't know how you could sit in your seat. I don't know how you couldn't raise your hand. I don't know. Well, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. Just. Oh, I mean, these are expert fishermen, and they don't catch nothing. Nothing. Here, Jesus says. He says, he says, he says, he says, have you caught anything? They don't know who it is. You know, it's funny that Jesus shows up and you can miss him. He hasn't quit appearing. He appears up in our lives all the time through situation and, and, and we miss him. He's still trying to take us to a deeper level of revelation of who he is and, and if we are stuck, holding on to the, the, the expectation that he didn't promise. Somebody had to tell me that annuals don't come up every year. I was still standing over the flower bed expecting. I literally had an attitude with the flowers, with whoever sold me the flowers, with the seeds, because I had an expectation and they wasn't doing what I expected them to do. I thought that if I de-weed them, that I expected something to come up. The weeds was coming up. I don't understand why the flowers wasn't coming up. I'm sorry. I didn't... I, I didn't mean, I guess I still got some anger about that. That's a little bit. That's a little bit. I need to write a letter to you. Okay, let's. I mean, I mean, but, but seriously. But listen, the problem wasn't with the flowers. The problem was not with the seeds. The problem wasn't with the store that sold me the flowers. The problem was with me. 
my, my, my paradigm had to shift. I had to understand that they did exactly what they was meant to do and no more. This time that God said this, but I took it farther than what he said. And he did what he said, but it did not fulfill my expectation. But wait a minute. My expectation wasn't based on scripture. My expectation was based off of what I wanted. And when God did not fulfill what I wanted, I got an attitude. Listen to what I'm saying. You can't put your eggs in another person. You can't put your eggs in your job. You got to interpret scripture correctly. And when you have a clear understanding of what God says he's going to do, you can put every egg in his basket. Because I'm here to tell you, he will do exactly what he said he's going to do. Oh, yes, he will. You have any fish? No. Well, put your nets on the other side. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. The boat isn't 20 feet wide. If anything, it's maybe four feet, three feet. Okay, if this fish if this is not on this side, surely they're not on the... It's all the same area. We expert fishermen. We know the nature of fish. They are swimming in a school, which means that if, if they are anywhere around the boat, it doesn't matter what side we put it on, the school of fish is going to swim in our net. So who is this person who's telling us to put it on the other side? I don't know, it's Jesus. Jesus, yes. So wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. So we don't got nothing to lose. Let's take the net. It's already in our boat. Because we just pulled it up with nothing. And let's just dump it on the other side. What you say? Y'all can't pull it. Y'all need my help. This thing is totally, matter of fact, it's breaking. It's so full. But if it was that many fish on this side, why wasn't they on that side? This is a miracle. Notice that all it took was the simple step of obedience beyond their own understanding, and they got blessed. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Somebody don't hear me. It's not trying to figure it out. It's not understanding it. It is just being obedient to what he has said, and watch him bless your obedience. That's what tithes is all about. That's what the word is all God, God said, you may not see how I'm going to do it. Matter of fact, I'm God. I don't work in the usual. I work in the unusual. A miracle for you is normal for God. How he do it, I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he told the fish to jump in the net. I don't know if he created the fish and they created in the net. I don't know how he did it. Oh, I know that he did it. Peter jumps in the water, swim. The boats come. Jesus already got fish already cooking on the fire. Now, hold on, hold on. How did Jesus get fish cooking when he wasn't fishing? 
if y'all can explain that to me. Huh? Huh? Oh, he's Jesus. So he can do what he want to do, when he want to do it, however he want to do it. <laughs> do you know that, Jesus? Do you know that he's able to do whatever he said he's going to do, when he's going to do it, without you finding out how he's going to do it? But when you get there, it's already done. There's some things that is waiting for us to be obedient. Then when we are obedient, God will walk it out without our help. Okay, let me... Let me finish this. Let, let me finish this. Let me let me finish this. Let me finish. Let me let, let, let me let me let me finish this. Let me let me finish this. Let me finish this. Listen, listen. Peter, Peter, Peter gets there. You see, fish cooking, but but since y'all went through all that work, bring some of your fish. I don't need your fish, but I'll I'll use your fish. You know what he's saying? God said, I got it without you. But, but I want you to share in the glory with me. So bring your little bit over and add it to what I already got. Somebody ought to shout on that. Somebody ought to say glory. Don't need none of us. And you know, you know, what's, so, you know what's so bad? Some of us don't even bring what we got. He invites us into his work, into his miracle, and he has asked us to bring what he gave us. We, what we got is not even ours. Just like he created the fish in the net, it's his fish. And we don't even bring what we got. And notice that if we bring ours, we'll find out that when we bring it, there's more than just ours sitting there for us to eat. That's another sermon. Okay, let's go. On. Peter, do thou love me? And John, he switches between uh, filet, friendship, love, and agape, and I used to, to go back and make a big deal of it till I realized, till I heard, till I read that, that John interchanges those words of love throughout. So it's, he's not trying to make a point because that is John in the nature of his writing. And I think what John is trying to say is this, God, file you and agape you. He calls you friend. There's a friendship that he wants because it's intimacy. He wants you to see into him and he sees into you. Then it's agape love, which means I love you unconditionally. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Come on, Mr. We can be experiencing the agape love with having the filet love. Watch this. He loves us unconditionally, regardless of what we do. There's nothing you can do about it. He, he loves us in spite of us. But the feeling love requires you to reciprocate. Somebody don't get reciprocate. Let me blame that. Let me break that down. The feeling love means that you have to give back, you have to respond. To the friend, it's a, it is a relationship, and it's based on both of us wanting the relationship, and it only goes as deep as you want it to. That's right. That's right. I hate to say this. Some of us are distant from God, and it's not that God is distant from us. It's just that we have not reciprocated to his love. Let me prove that. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lamb. Peter, do you love me more than these? 
I don't think he's saying, do you love me more than the other disciples? I think he's saying, Peter, smell the sea. Smell the salt in the air. Smell the fish cooking. Hear the seagulls. Peter, don't you hear? You love this. You love this part of life. But Peter, I'm calling you out of this. And I'm calling you to give your life up to work for me. This is your element. This what you thought you was. I'm now calling you out of what you was into who you are. Do you love me enough to let go of all of this? Let me bring this on home. In our Christian walk, we got to work through our disappointments, our hurts, what life has thrown at us. But we even have to work through our disappointment with God. Let me speak, let me speak. You're not the only one who have ever been disappointed because you had a wrong expectation of God. Canellas, come here. See, if, if, if we were to make a circle around him, stand right there, if we make a circle around him and, and, and we say we're going to make everything fine, that would not make your God bigger. You will love life. You think that everything is fine. Why? Because the circumstances of life is in perfect condition. But that doesn't mean you got him in your heart. And some of us is expecting God to make the circumstance. You know what God does? He removes the bubble and says, I'm going to allow you to live life, but I'm going to live life with you. Look what he says. Says, yes, you're going through this, but I'm going through it with you. Thank you. Thank you. Everything is mine, is yours, because I'm yoked up with you. Yes, you got to go through sickness, but I'm in the sickness with you. I don't want the circumstances to rob you of the relationship. Matter of fact, when you can't care yourself, I got you. become more real in your struggles. I become more real in your, in your hard times. Matter of fact, I want you to know that, that this is not your home. That your home is on the other side. So no matter what life throws at you, I got you. And when I'm ready for you to come home, you're coming home with me. And over there is no more trouble. No more sickness. No more struggle. You're on assignment. Don't confuse the excitement with home. Do you know what the apostles call? As long as I got Jesus, I got everything. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. So, so if they tell me to shut up, I got to keep on preaching. If they take my life from me, absent from the body is present with the Lord. So what if my friends don't call me? I got new friends. I got some friends that love Jesus. Uh, so what if they close up this job? I believe that my Lord got another job waiting on me. So what if I can't be in your clique? I got a clique. His name is Jesus. You ought to join my clique. 
because he accepts everybody. There's something about Jesus that makes everything okay. Are you in my clique? It's a Jesus clique. And only those who love Jesus can be in my clique. You don't have to look right. You don't have to sing right. Just as long as you got Jesus, you're my clique sister. You're my clique brother. You're my clique. Is there anybody that's part of my clique that you ought to give God some praise? Because there's something about Jesus that makes everything all right. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, Lord. Too many clicks in the church. Hey, I'm so glad there's one main click. That click is I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. He's all right. 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 was such an awesome of a savior that they was willing to give up everything. Peter, do you love me more than what you're comfortable with? Peter, do you love me even if you don't have what you think you ought to have. Peter, do you love me? Though you've been mistreated, though you've been hurt, can you see me through your hurt, your disappointment, what life throws at you? Do you see me high and lifted up where my beauty my love transcends whatever life throws at you. Had to come to the place. I said, Lord, it really doesn't matter. I let go of the disappointment, and I choose you. I promise you, when you do that, the healing of the Lord comes in. (laughs) And even when he does not change your circumstance, he changes your perspective. Well, your circumstance can't touch you because God is holding you. He wasn't asking Peter to love him for no reason. Jesus, even after Peter denied him, was giving him unconditional love, was giving him friendship, said, Peter, I got you. The question is, are you going to love me back, Peter? That's really the question. That's really what he's asking. I kept you through the storm. I kept you from dying because I love you. Today, if I ask you, do you love me? And I want you to come. Will you come? Today, if you want to reconnect with Jesus, if you want him to become your all in all, if you want to give your life to him, say, I try Jesus. I got preachers here that will pray with you and talk with you and share with you about the goodness, about the excellency of Jesus, our Lord. As the choir says, come on. Come on, let's 
Let's talk together. Let's pray together. Let's run this race together. If you're here today, come on.